About three years ago, I started taking six of my messages that I have, and, um, and at least once a year, preaching those, those again because of, of there's six that I have that I pre- I've preached at least once a year in the last three years. And you'll, if you've been around here at all, you'll know and be familiar with this, um, with this message. But there are certain things that God will speak to me that you just, you can't get enough of. I mean, you don't need to hear it every week. But at least once a year, it's really, really important. Um, one, one of the messages that I'm not ministering today, one of those messages is the, is the message on Holy Spirit, the help. You can't hear enough of how God created us to need help. We're not put on this planet to do it ourselves. We, we, we were put on this planet to need help. We weren't put here for God to do it all for us. Many people that are in denial and expect God to do everything, that's not the way. God won't do it. I tell you one thing God won't do is he won't raise your children. He'll help you, but he won't raise them. He won't fix situations and issues in your life just because you cry enough or you feel bad enough. He won't, just, he won't fix things, but he'll help you to get out of stuff and stay out of it. He's the helper. And those messages, that message, everybody needs. And so, you know, th- this year and in the next couple of months, we'll, we'll preach that again. But about probably 10 or 11 years ago, I, God gave me the title of this message, Frame Your World. And we did a series on it, and CD series and all that. And, and um, I was somewhere, I was somewhere, and I saw this picture frame of, of, of I don't even remember the picture, but I, but I remember I was in San Antonio at a, at a mall, and I saw this picture, and I can't remember what was in the picture, but I'm sitting there looking at the picture and how it was framed and, and what that picture was actually saying. And, and my message came out of that about your world being framed. And the scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 says, in verse 3, It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So, the the worlds that were framed by the word of God begins and is found in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, well, verse 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. And, and to give more detail about what God said would be so, and God saw the light, that it was good, 
And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness called, he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. And we go on and on and on for the seven days in how he created everything that we know of, at least in, in this dispensation of the last 6,000 plus years on this, on this planet alone. Because this book talks about this planet at least for the last 6,000 plus years. I'm not saying that there wasn't something here before, and I'm not saying that there wasn't other places, because we, we have record that there were other... I mean, if, if our God can create this little place, He can create anything else. So there's many other things that have, that have been before, I believe, before planet Earth. But in this dispensation of time, and the things that God's trying to teach us, you know... Christianity doesn't have to be this battle and war between, you know, what's right and what's not right. It shouldn't be that. Christianity, as we know it today, has to do with what God's plan was for these physical beings. God had a plan for these human beings. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam messed that plan up by giving away the authority that God had given him. But before all that happened, God, God established something that he wanted to establish in mankind. And so it kind of gets kicked off and then it gets totally spoiled. And for 4,000 years on planet earth, God's whole plan was to redeem mankind back to himself so that he could continue on with the plan that he had for man, for human beings. And then we know, and you know, everything that we've talked about in this last month and all of our messages leading up to Easter and, you know, what, what was accomplished, you know, what the blood of Jesus actually accomplished for mankind, all of those things, and we talked about that. So for 4,000 years, <clears throat> what was coming back to man was the authority that God gave to man that he never took back from him. Lucifer, the archangel in heaven that was cast out, he lied to man, he lied to Adam and to Eve, and he, and he stole from them the authority that God had given to man. And all man was required to do was just not do one thing. Everything else was theirs, just don't mess with that one tree. And, and they were deceived into believing that there was something about that tree that they needed when God said there wasn't. And so they messed, this whole, they, they messed the whole thing up for 4,000 years, but God in his redeeming nature redeemed man through Jesus Christ, through his only son. He gave and, 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 and empowered us again on planet earth to be and to rule and to reign in the earth the way that God intended for man to rule and reign in the garden. And I have this... This, this one statement today that I want you to leave with and that I'm just centering this whole message in the next few minutes around, and it's this. As we know of, and, and there's, it'd take too long to go into it today, but I'm going to say this and then kind of build around it. But God isn't running planet Earth. He's running human beings. See, 
if you, if, if one of the issues that I believe that we have with God is that God has looked like he, he appears to be the CEO of planet earth, but he's running a horrible business. If we read all through Scripture and we get the description of what heaven is like, look, it looks nothing, the order of heaven is nothing like the order that's on earth right now. Nothing. And so I'm going to say this again. The God that I know, and I'm just going to support it with a few verses of Scripture today, the God that, has, that I know that is in, inside of me that for 37 plus years has been my Savior, and He has become my Lord or the one that controls my life, the one that I turn to. He's the go-to. When I need answers for things, I go to Him until I get an answer. And for 37 plus years, He has been directing and ruling my life. And, and, and I've become convinced that He is wanting for me and you to be in charge in planet earth instead of us looking to him to do things he wants us to look to him for what needs to be done in us you think about two great things in the bible and we've talked about it in the last couple of years a lot here the great commission and the great commandment great commandment was to love god and love people like you love yourself. And the great commission was to go and make disciples, not of yourself, but of God. Those are the two great things that were required of mankind. And, and, and how much time do we spend practicing living and operating in the presence of God and, and what the presence of God will do for us so that then we can duplicate the nature of God in the way we treat other people. See, our, our first reactions when someone does us wrong is to return and, and treat them bad. But the Bible's very clear about how we're to do those kind of things, but we don't practice that. We protect ourselves, humanity. I'm just saying humanity in general protects themselves, and that's where so much evil comes from. The evil on planet earth is in the hearts of men and women. That's where the evil is. If you annihilate all of mankind today, the earth in itself is not evil. It'll, it'll, it'll just flourish by itself. That's not the way God intended it to be, but it will. But the earth itself is not evil. The evil is in the hearts of men. And if we learn... To frame our worlds with what God thinks and says, if we learn to frame what we do with the Word of God, there's no end to what can happen in our lives and what, who we can become for the good of, of God's cause on planet Earth. What is God's cause? All of heaven is focused on people. Greatest revelation I've ever got is, is life is not about me. <laughs> the greatest revelation I've ever got is not about me. No matter how much I want it to be at times, it's just not about me. It's about what I can do for others. And, and to learn that and really draw 
those truths from this book is something that we have to spend at least enough time that you would spend on anything else to be good at it. I was a golfer all my life and, and all my growing up years, and I got pretty good. I won lots and lots of tournaments, but the reason that I won is because I practiced. I didn't just show up on tournament day, you know, and uh, try to intimidate everybody and try to beat them through intimidation, you know. That, 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 that might work with a few guys, but that's not going to work with everybody. I had to practice and become good. Anybody that's ever gone to school for a specific thing, you didn't just show up to class and hear the teacher and just, you know, act like an idiot the rest of the time and do nothing with it. You know, you, you're looking at me thinking, yeah, that's what I did. Well, you didn't probably do very well, you know, because you didn't practice and put any effort out. In other words, you reap what you sow. What you put into something is what you're going to get back out of it and how you value what you do. Well, why would it be any different than the Word of God? See, but we, on planet Earth, we got all these people that think they're an authority about God, but they don't know anything about this. Well, if you're an authority where mathematics is concerned, the only, re, the only way that you can be an authority concerning mathematics is that you read the book and you did something with it, Right? only way that you can be an authority or have any understanding about who God is and what God can do and what God wants to do through you is that you read the book and do something with it. And that's what I call framing your world. See, there's all kinds of things today that I can look at. I, can, I mean, all you got to do is go watch about five minutes of any worldly news that there, that, that's out there on any news station or channel in about five minutes, you can be afraid that everything's falling apart and everything's going south and nothing's going to work. And if that's where your meditation is, then you will end up wanting more of that and more of that, and you'll frame your world around fear. But if I gain information from this, it doesn't mean I can't watch the news. I mean, you need, you know, there's nothing, to me, there's nothing wrong with being informed. Sometimes you need seasons where you kind of lay some of that stuff down so you can get your mind clean, you know, and get filled up with a little of this so that you have better discernment in the way that you hear things. And that's what this, this will do. It will, it will create a discernment and an ability to understand things in a more clear way. But that's called today what we're discussing about is framing your world so there's a world out there that's being framed and there's a world out there that is actually framed but it doesn't have to rule my world now you have to live in the world you have to live with people you have to live with people and exist with people and learn to operate with people that don't believe like you believe people are going to have differences you know thank god differences make us strong it's a good thing but when it comes personally, I've got to frame my personal world with what I choose to believe in. I choose to believe the Bible. It, the, the, difference, the only difference in the Bible and the Webster's Dictionary is that the Bible has the potential to produce life and the Webster's doesn't, the life that, we're, that, that this book talks about. So I can study, I, I can study and, and define life through the Webster's Dictionary and frame my world on every definition, but it's not going to create life. But I can frame my world in God's Word and use the Webster 
you know, I'm just using that as an example, use the Webster's Dictionary to help define what life is really all about, and the two will work together. But I can't use the Webster's to define what real life is about and find life if I don't frame my world with this. So actually, what, what I have to do is, I have to at least spend as much time as I spend in anything else that I practice to get good at, I've got to spend in God's Word and time in the Word so that it begins to make sense to me. There are a lot of things in here that, man, for years made absolutely no sense. I just skip over them, you know? I don't know what, that, what he meant by that. I've heard people say that still doesn't make sense to me, so I just skip over it. And then one day, I found, I'd find myself in certain passages that didn't make sense, and all of a sudden they made sense. But that's, that's, the, that's the, to me, that's the, um, the joy of studying the Word because it's like you never top out. You know, you, you can never get to the end or exhaust. This little study today over the next 15, 20 minutes is not an exhaustive study in how you frame the Word of God, but it's just nuggets and bits and pieces in the thought processes of God that I've learned that I'm sharing with you, and if you do something with it, it'll work the same way for you. Amen? Amen. Now, that was free there, so. <laughs> so, we see this in, in, in Hebrews 11. Let, let, me, let me just read, let's read verse 3 again. And then four and five. <clears throat> by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So... If, if here is light, and God, God didn't have an iPad looking at light and say, light be. If all the lights were out in here, and this is a pretty good dark room in here because there's no windows. So if all the lights were out in here right now, and we couldn't see, God was in the midst of darkness, and he said, light be. And light was. So he didn't make light from light. He made light from nothing. So, in verse 4 it says, by faith, the same way that God did. Verse 3 says, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, by God, which we read in Genesis 1. Then verse 4 here says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, being dead, still speaks. By faith, we know the story of Enoch. And then verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So, when the Bible says, specific things that are a certain way, then what I'm doing is now I'm creating what he's already said 
to be a part of my world. See, even though I was created in the God class, I was created in, I was created in the image of God. You and I were created in the image of God. We're not him. So we're not called to create anything new. He's already created it all. What we decide is, will I frame the world that I live in, the thinking processes that I live in, will I frame that world and begin to practice that framing process with what he already says is so? So that I begin to believe that if he says fear doesn't have to rule in my life, then I can begin to believe that fear doesn't have to rule in my life no matter what it looks like. Because there's natural circumstances out there that tell you that things don't look real good in certain aspects of life on the planet. There are times in the last decade when, when in the last, actually, now it's been 10 or 15 years, when it looked like the, the, there was a day in 2001 when we woke up early that morning ready to celebrate Olivia's birthday, and Olivia's birthday kind of got forgotten on 9-11-2001, because all of a sudden it just started looking like we're not sure what's going to happen. I mean... Two towers that looked like nothing could ever happen to them are imploded and destroyed and planes run into them and they're leveled and then another plane crashing into the Pentagon and another one in an open field that was supposedly meant for the White House and I mean all of a sudden it it just looked like there was no hope. What's going to happen? Well the Bible says and it's very clear, scripture after scripture after scripture, that says that God has said something different when bad things happen. The Bible didn't say bad things don't happen. But when they happen, what do we do with them? And what, what, what matters or what determines what we do with our mouths is a result of what we believe. And what I believe is a result of what I'm framing and practicing on a day-to-day basis. Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'll say of the Lord that He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust in. He covers me. He protects me. He releases the angels of God around me. Sickness and disease will not come near me. there's There's a framing process that you have to build because, man, when I first heard things like this, I mean, it just went totally contrary to my natural mind. It, my natural mind went tilt. And what happens is when, when you, if you don't practice and you don't frame on a day-to-day, you don't learn to develop a framing process, what will happen through circumstances is your mind will tilt towards the way things look instead of tilting towards what God's Word says is so. Now look at Luke 6. In verse 46, Luke 6 and 46, Jesus says here, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and he does them, I will show you whom he is like. 
He is like a man building a house who dug, a deep, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house house on the earth without a foundation against which the the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. So here's the thing. Sometimes certain passages like this can seem worse than they are, but here's the deal. I'm telling you something today. I'm, I'm delivering just a nugget, a thought about framing your world from, from God's Word. A thought as a result of things that God has shown me through the years. Just, just little nuggets. I'm not here ever, when I teach the Word, I'm never up here with an exhaustive message and, and, and all the, dotting all the I's and crossing all the T's. God didn't intend it to be that way because the Bible says that the Holy, the Holy Spirit is the true teacher. So in other words, we deliver a message then what you do with that will determine whether you believe it or not. See? Because if you just hear something from me and you do nothing with it and you kind of remember what I said for a little while and, yeah, it kind of made a little bit of sense and, yeah, it seems pretty good, that won't work for you when the storms come. Not if they come, when they come. Storms come. If you notice, two foundations, storm beat venomously, Very hard, I mean, you know, whether it was a tsunami or whatever it was, something beat against this house, both houses, one fell, one didn't. One remained, one didn't. And you can, you know, that's a, you know, this is a, a story that is an example that you can apply to anything and the way anything works in life. Because when, when the word is true and it becomes a part of you and you've framed the world that you live in with the truth of his word, then it creates a success that is a step-by-step process. It's something that, you, that evolves as you move into it. I saw a guy one time, he actually was preaching in one of our Word First conferences, and he was talking about uh, about taking a spray, spraying something out ahead of you, like a, even like a cologne, and, and then walking into it. And, and I've thought many times that, you know, that's what God's Word is like. It's as though we're spraying it, and if we'll walk into it, then it becomes a part of you. You know, that if you spray cologne and you walk into it, then it begins to fall on you. If you spray it and you walk the other way, it does nothing. Right? It's the same way with the Word. You can put the Word out there. You can, you can listen to the Word and spend time in the Word, but if you don't walk into it and it doesn't become a part of you, and, and it, it, it doesn't play a role and a factor in everything that you face, then you'll, you, you won't practice the Word. You'll tilt towards the world's way of thinking, and in most situations, fear will rule your life. I have to say, maybe this, this statistic is wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that it's right. It just seems like it's right. I've, I've seen different stats along this line, you know, in, in past years, and probably today it's, it's the same thing. 
But I think that most people make decisions based on what they're afraid of. Decisions in anything in life. Think about that. I I could give you examples, but you think about it. I don't want to make a decision in life based on the fear of something telling me I can't do this, or if I do this, this is going to happen. So I'm not going to make this decision. I'm not going to choose to advance in this area of my life because what if? I don't don't want to to live in this protective mode of fear, always trying to rule me. That's what happened when when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, is that fear began to control. And for 4,000 years, fear ruled the lives of people. Through the blood of Jesus and what he accomplished, now we've been empowered to be liberated from fear and liberate our thinking from fear so so that in this framing our world process, now I can do that by faith. By faith, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By faith, every day, I'm practicing and developing my faith and exercising my faith in believing what the Word says instead of what I see. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And I'm going, to, I'm going to read, it's kind of lengthy, but I'm going to read verse 2 in the Amplified. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, this age. Don't be conformed to this world or this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself. Notice, not that you prove to God anything. You've got to prove to yourself what you believe, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. Because see, anybody can go through the motions of, of attempting to make a change and attempting not to believe certain things. But at the end of the day, what you truly believe is who you are. And, and if you believe that you're a loser, no matter how many times I can tell you that you're not, I can tell you that God didn't create losers and he didn't. He didn't create anybody a loser. But at the end of the day, when you lay your head down at night on your pillow and you believe you're a loser, you're a loser. That's what will end up happening. No matter matter what anybody else says or does, if there's not an entire change, transformation that is going on where your mind and your thinking is renewed because there's, if you believe you're a loser, God didn't get you to that place. Someone else did, other people did, other words did, other circumstances. I'm not blaming anybody else in your life. I'm saying 
You didn't just wake up one day and, and believe you were a loser. There were sets of circumstances that lined up that tried to tell you that that's the way it is. That's why your thinking has to be framed anew with the Word of God so that we, now my perception is not through the eyes of loser or fear or fear of man or anything else. Now my perception is through the eyes of God. Now I begin to perceive things the way His Word says and not the way I've thought in the past. That's why my mind has to continually be renewed. Amen? So, two things that I, that I want to finish with. John chapter 8 and verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. He said, if you abide, and that word abide is, is, is abode, to make the word home. <laughs> in other words, to make the word final authority in your life. Today, after 37 however many, 37, a little over 37 years of salvation. Today, when I have an issue or something arises, the first place I go to, because I've practiced it for 37 plus years, when there's an issue, I go to the Word first. The Word may lead me to natural things, and doing natural things, most of the time it does. It's not just, I find something in the Word and then God will take care of it. No. God, again, I told you about our message on the Holy Spirit, the help. God will lead you to a place, and He'll help you along the way, but He won't do it for you. Many people that say that they serve God are waiting on God to do things and they're going to wait till the end of time and nothing's going to happen because God's waiting on you to step up, man up, and do some of the things that God created us to do even when we don't feel like it. And as I make the Word through framing the world that I live in with the Word of God, as I make the Word my home, my final authority, he said, then you'll know the truth. What will be extracted from the word that you spend time in is the truth. And you know what will happen? The truth will make you free. Everybody sitting here today, myself included, there are things that you want free of in your life. Everybody. I don't care who you are. I could be talking to five people or 10,000 people and everybody in a group, no matter where you're at, everybody's always got something that they're working on. Something that they don't like about themselves. I, I, I just say this. The benefit of the word is that when I don't like something about myself, I don't have to try to figure out how to change it on my own. The word will give me wisdom and understanding about how to do that. I had an issue in my life a number of years ago, and I was really seeking God, and you know, I'd read several books about just something that I was struggling in my own mind. And uh, one day, my, my wife said to me, she said, why don't you go see so-and-so, a friend of mine in San Antonio that is, a, is a, like a 
he's not a psychiatrist, but he's a, he's a, oh, what is he? He's something. Anyway. <clears throat> and uh, he said, why don't you just go talk to him? And, and the first thought I had was, if I go talk to this guy, then it means I'm weak. It means I have an issue. <laughs> and I had an issue. <laughs> and I had something I needed to work out in my life. And then the next thought I had is, well, you know, I'm a pastor. What are people going to think if I have to go talk to somebody? And those thoughts didn't come from God. And because I had learned how to frame my world, I had to cast those thoughts down so that I could walk it out and get the help that I needed and make myself better, right? So it wasn't just going to come because I read a book, and it wasn't just going to come out of heaven and slap me upside the head and change my thinking, Okay, It may come from you reading a book, and you may get all you need. But it wasn't that way for me. I needed some help. I needed some skin. I need somebody to tell me some things. And the truth of the matter is, the person that told me some of the things that I needed, I already read it in a book. <laughs> I just wasn't doing it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I needed that help. So the benefit of the Word is that it's this outside help that begins to be inside help. And it's the thing that I trust in because I learned to frame my world around the way he thinks instead of just what I think. Because always in my thinking to get free of something, I come up short. And the Bible says, okay, do all you can do. And when you come up short, that's when I get strong. And then his strength empowers me so I don't have to try to figure it all out myself and work it all out myself. Amen? Man, what a God we serve. He set it up. I mean, he set us up for victory. He said, you'll know the truth, and that truth will make you free. Wow. Right? Um, so, I, I just want, I want to end with this thought today. Philippians 4 and verse 4. And, and you, you, you know, I, I don't have time to go into detail on this, but, but you, you just you go and read this, the, read these few verses here. But to me, this is the process whereby... I have learned through the years to frame my world. Philippians 4, and starting with verse 4, is the process. I mean, you know, I can tell you this framing thing, but, but I want to give you a number of examples of how to frame. And verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and he said again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness, and, and the Amplified defines the word gentleness there as unselfishness. Let your unselfishness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Verse 6, be anxious. Didn't say try to, he said be anxious. Didn't say when you felt like it, he said be anxious for nothing. 
In other words, don't be anxious or worried or fretful about anything. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything worthy of praise, do what? Meditate on these things. And verse 13 says, And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So today, what, 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 I, what, what the constant process that keeps working in my life that I continue to do is rejoice. And, and you know, the time to rejoice is not when the Spurs win game seven, okay? I mean, you know, you'll, 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 that you'll naturally rejoice when the Spurs win game seven, okay? And then they beat the Clippers. No, no, they're not playing the Clippers. Who are they playing? Portland. Portland. Then when they beat Portland, <clears throat> he's uh, West Coast. <laughs> no. They're, 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 he's a Spurs, you're a Spurs fan, okay. So it's, I, I don't, I don't want to get offensive here, you know. <clears throat> I will, I should have worn my Spurs t-shirt though, no. Um, but it's, it, it's easy to rejoice then, okay? But the way you start this process is learning to rejoice when you don't feel like rejoicing. Learning to thank God, not for the circumstance or the difficulty that you're in, but thanking God that he's greater than anything that you face. And then he said, be anxious for nothing. I don't know about you, but that is like an impossible statement. But what's impossible in the natural is possible with God. <laughs> so, I've been, <laughs> I've been practicing for years at being anxious for nothing. Hadn't got there yet, but still practicing. Right? Be anxious for nothing, and instead of being anxious, interject something else in there to take the place of anxiety or being worried or fretful about something. He said, with prayer and supplication, with what? With the heart of thanksgiving. Okay? So fear comes in, tells you, you know, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do this. This isn't going to happen. You're not going to get that job. You're going to die. There's a bump on your arm, and it's going to turn into cancer, and you're going to die. And all, I mean, all these thoughts come your way. He said, he said, replace it with a heart of thanksgiving. Father, I thank you today. I thank you that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I thank you that you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound and a well-balanced mind. Lord, I thank you today that by the stripes of Jesus that I am the healed in Christ. Lord, I don't know, I don't understand this thing on my arm. I don't understand this feeling I have or whatever. You want me to go to the doctor, just, just really give me that peace about it. I'll do whatever it is that I need to do. But, but, but today, first and foremost, I just begin to thank you that your word is true. So, listen to me. The reverse of that is this. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Man, I'm not going to get this job. The, the, you know, I'm going to get fired. This is going to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm going to lose my house. I'm going to tell, this is going to happen. This, that's going to happen. This is going to, and, and see, it can look that way. I'm not talking about denying the circumstances and acting like it's not there. 
But the way you frame your world is by begin, beginning to rejoice and replace anxiety with faith in what the Word says, even when it doesn't, when, when it doesn't seem like anything's changing or will change. That's where your world gets framed. And what is the sole factor in affecting the world that you're, that you're living in? It's your soul. It's your mind, your will, and emotions. And if you don't change the way you think, you won't change anything else. So as those thoughts come and they continue to come, and you've been meditating and studying the Word of God, then it's something that becomes easier and easier and more a part of you. Why? Because it's that abode. It's that home. It's that final authority. The Word has become final authority to settle all questions and all issues that I face. And I become convinced, even when things aren't changing, just because I'm rejo- just because you're rejoicing and thanking God for what His Word says, doesn't mean that your circumstance is going to change in two weeks. It may be a year. It may be two years. It may be a, a whole season of, of of a time period that you're walking through. But the more you rejoice in the difficult times, the easier it is to rejoice in the next difficult time that comes. Because the Bible doesn't say they don't come. When they come, we can overcome. Amen? We can overcome in everything that we face. Why? Because we can do all things through Christ, who is our strength. And let me just say this last thing that I said to you a moment or in the beginning. God isn't running the world. He's running you and I. He's the CEO of Burt Wimberley. When I, when I ask Jesus to be the Savior of my life, not the Lord of my life, he, he can't become CEO until he's in control. And, and for 37 plus years, I've put him in that place of Lord or CEO and allowed him to control this thing that he created. See, he created me, created me spirit, soul, and body. And he's, he, he wants my thinking to line up with his thinking so that he can be involved in everything that goes on. And so, the helper, the Holy Spirit, as I was talking about earlier, that he's given to us, when the Holy Spirit tells me things to do, I do them and they're successful. But I try to figure things out in the natural when I needed help from him, it doesn't work. And no matter how smart we are, how much education that we have, doesn't matter how we think we can figure everything out, I'm telling you, we weren't created to live on this life without the Word of God and without the help of the Holy Spirit. So the busier we are framing our worlds, the more productive we can be personally, but then the more productive that we can be in the lives of other people. Because we go back to the first statement, and I'll end with this. The great commandment to love God and love people and the great commission about making disciples is really all that God's concerned about. All the rest of the things will line up in life. But if we're busy at the two great things that the Bible talked about, and not just busy trying to make things good in our own lives, but be busy and about his business, everything else in life. And you know, it's really, it really didn't take all that extra amount of time to love God and to, and to be able to love people, but you have to practice it. And you have to pr- practice Philippians 4. Rejoicing, 
being anxious for nothing, instead being thankful and thanking God for how great that he is and how empowered that you are and are becoming to overcome everything that you face. So today, as you've heard this word and, and you've listened to the things that we've said today, don't just let what I've said today just come in one ear and pass it through the other ear and ignore and, and, and not spend time in meditating on the power of, of the framed world by the word of God. Your framed world that has a picture. And you know, I feel like I've got all these pictures of things that have happened. There's some, there's some mental pictures of some things that haven't happened, but I'm not framing those. I'm just framing the ones that have created success and where there's victory and there's things that have begun to happen in my life. And that's what God wants you to do. And get rid of some of those pictures that have been framed about loser and about fear and f- frames of defeat and, and the lack of success and, and, and all that, that the world's mentality a lot of times wants to create in us so that we can be a success to change the world. You know how you change the world? One person at a time. And you help it by changing their thinking as a result of your thinking changing. And that's how you change the world, for good. You don't change people. You'll never change people. People are going to believe what they're going to believe. But if something's working in you, and they have questions about your life and why it's the way that it is, and it creates conversation, then, then people want to change because people want results. The Bible is full of results. God's word works. Can you say amen to that? Father, we thank you for this great and awesome day. Another day today that we've been privileged to live in that you've created and made. We're so honored and we choose, Lord, to meditate on good things. We choose to rejoice and have a good attitude today and focus on other things and practice that. Even at times when we feel frustrated and we feel mad and we feel anxious and all that. We purpose day by day to practice your presence and practice your word and practice being thankful for all that you've given us. Let us today, Lord, be focused on the things that we have instead of the things that we don't have. Let's be focused on the relationships that we have, family and friends, and not on the ones that we don't have. Let us be thankful for all that you've done and for your son Jesus. And we just give you all the praise today and all